Before we begin, let's pay our respects and acknowledge the traditional owners of the land where we record this podcast today. We would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land where our guest today is. We recognize the continuing connections to land, water, and communities of all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. We pay our respects to elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello and welcome to another episode of our unlimited podcast series in the spirit of spinning yarns. We're all living in very strange times. Somewhere we are seeking connections, passions and a little bit of comfort more than ever. Comfort takes many, many forms and food is just one of them. In today's episode, I'm joined by someone who's made Australia her home. She's just a girl from Mumbai who moved to Perth and then Sydney for work and to start a new life with her husband. Like many new migrants, Bhavna's journey amongst all things exciting was also one of finding her place, her sense of belonging and there was that feeling of emptiness. She was then advised by her doctor to start eating the food that she ate while growing up and therein began her culinary journey, her relationship with food. The rest she'll tell us. Hi Bhavna. Hi Deepthi. Thank you so much for joining us on our episode of In the Spirit of Spinning Yarns. Bhavna, your journey has been really interesting. Please, please tell our listeners who you are, what's your journey been like, what are your passions and motivations and what's the connection with food? So thank you for having me on your podcast. It's always lovely to meet like-minded uh, women, <laughs> you know, especially who share the same cultural heritage as me. Um, so I am Bhavna, as you've already told everyone, and I am from Mumbai or Bombay. It's Bombay for us, obviously. I moved to Australia 12 years ago and after reaching here, I realized how, how much I missed home. And, you know, as you were saying earlier, when we move to a different country, we just don't carry our physical baggage, we also carry a lot of emotional baggage. And there's also a lot of baggage of guilt that you carry, that you've left home, you've got people behind that you've left. And a lot of us just turn to things that give us comfort. And for me, that comfort was food. So when I moved to Perth, I realized how bad Indian food was over there. And because I was also missing home and I had fallen sick I just started to discover Indian food once again. And it sort of became a passion. So I started writing and blogging about Indian food. This was the time when blogs were quite big. You know, people yeah. had the time and the energy to read. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, Facebook was there, but it was not that crazy. There's no Instagram. So there were just blogs and people read blogs. So I started writing. I started, you know, cooking, taking terrible pictures of food and posting. And started getting a lot of encouragement from people. And over a period of time, I found that there were other people like me who had moved away from their country and they missed home. And my story 
stories were their story and it just suddenly became this you know more more of an extension of me and my blog just a girl from mumbai became really popular and then last year my husband and i decided to throw caution to the winds and obviously you know we still have our full time jobs but we're not that adventurous but we decided to launch a business so we are which is now called the modern desi co modern because we are modern and desi <laughs> because we are very indian still and it's basically place where you we do different offerings one of it one of which is inviting people to our home and doing a eight course degustation menu it's like going to a fancy restaurant but you're coming to my home and you are listening to stories actually for you You're listening to In the Spirit of Spinning Yarns with Deepthi and Akashika. We would love to hear from you. So please follow us on Instagram at wired underscore global or Twitter at global underscore wired. You can also send us a DM and we look forward to hearing from you about your stories. We also do some catering. Mm-hmm. We also have just launched our chutney line so we are doing some special chutneys and puris oh, <laughs> yeah so so it's become more than what it was it's no longer a blog i hardly blog anymore because you don't have the time or the energy and i just find that a lot of people have now got short attention spans they don't want to read so much so i write a little bit on instagram on my handle but most of it is about indian food my aim and my goal to do this is to break the stereotype about you know indian food just being this heavy north indian based curries and mind you i am north indian i love my north indian food <laughs> but yeah but but then there is more to indian food than that right there's more to indian food than butter chicken dal korma and vindu. to do you know so and most of these dishes only came to india when the portuguese got tomatoes to india or potatoes to india we don't we didn't have butter chicken before tomatoes were in india you know <laughs> and, and that's what i'm trying to show people that indian food is much more than what you see out in restaurants here and just trying to get them to fall in love with the food that i have grown up eating that's beautiful and i love that i love the concept and i think it's such an amazing thing that you've opened your home up to people to come there and really experience the food tell me a little bit more about modern desi co and how does this work so how do people find you how do they get to you and how do they enter your home and sit on your dining table So obviously this is all pre-covid days we are not yeah. doing the dinners anymore mm-hmm. but it involved a year of planning you know and obviously 10 years of misgiving <laughs> where you're constantly doubting yourself that I can cook or I can't cook I still think I can't cook really well you know uh, but then then that's who we are you know self doubt is a way of life and sometimes i think it's also good because that makes you strive a little harder than you would so it's taken a whole year my husband is a perfectionist so he likes things done a certain way he has very high standards in quality so you know it took us a really long time to and we did everything right from getting the approvals done from the council because it's not and as you would know that in australia you just can't start a business from your home so there's a lot of stuff that is involved so there was a lot of planning there we had to get a lot of permissions and approvals in place we had to design the house in a certain way that there was space so you know meeting the right people talking to them getting the planning approvals done then came 
came the part where we decided what are we going to cook. So the doing the menu, designing the menu, you know, that what colors did we want to use in the menu, getting logos done, caricatures done, getting a website up and running, setting up e-commerce, you know, and then cooking, like, you know, I like cooking and how are we going to plate things? So it has taken a year of really hard and diligent planning. And I find that people often don't recognize that. Like, you know, I get a lot of messages from people on Instagram asking me to show them how I started this business. And I feel like, you know, it's not something you can just show people, send a message, a text message or a DM to someone and say, oh, this is what I did. It has been a journey. And, you know, we're constantly learning. Even now I'm doing my cooking classes. I have to follow the COVID rules. There are some policies and some protocols that the New South Wales government has put in place, which I have to adhere to, you know. And again, before you do a class or a dinner and after that's done, there's a lot of things you do. So, you know, and and we primarily advertise on Instagram. So at the moment, because the business is so small, it doesn't make sense for and because my capacity is limited as well. It's just me and my husband doing this on the side with a full time job. And our home life, you know, as we were talking earlier, our home life and our work life has suddenly become one over times, you know. So so to even get things going as far as the business is concerned is suddenly very hard. Like I am working from eight to four every day. So I have to make sure that whatever I'm doing is either before that for my business or after that or on the weekends, because my job is also full on. It's not a job that I can just switch off from. It's a full on job. I have to be available. I have to be present. I have to do things. I'm doing projects, which I have to be there for. So it's just a constant you know, balance, uh, trying to figure out how are we going to do this. So as far as advertising is concerned, we don't advertise a lot because we don't have a capacity to do it. We get a lot of word of mouth. So people who've mm-hmm. already been there for the dinner have then got friends who they recommend. Yeah, um, yeah. We obviously charge a premium for purely because we're very cautious about who we invite in our house. You know, you are, I'm someone who believes a lot in energy. And I feel that the people who come into my house have to have the same kind of energy that I have. Also, you're yeah. opening your home to strangers. So there's a lot of, so you want to be very careful about, Absolutely. you know, who you invite. So we're very mindful of that. And as I said, that's why we charge a premium so that, you know, you have people who are really serious about coming over and being a part of that experience that do that yeah um, and I think a lot of it is is the experience right because we can tell from your Instagram post the food I'm sure tastes delicious but it looks really good the dinners look good they look so intimate and beautiful and what 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 has been some of people's experiences coming into your home it's it's I, I love the concept I think it's quite unique you know instead of going to a, a restaurant and ordering from a from a pre-decided menu here you're almost curating and experience to those who want to come and enjoy and really immerse themselves in the beautiful flavors that you create. What is that environment like? So, um, you know, just taking off from where the previous question over here as well is how do I curate that whole experience right from deciding the plates to the table runner to, as I said, the color of the menu, the flowers. We even decide what flowers are we going to have in the house, you know, to match the theme and the decor. Because the whole point is people need to feel warm and safe and curious Mm. when they're there, you know, and how are you going to do that? 
that. You do that with colors. You do that with flowers. You do that with music. So even my dinner playlist is curated by me, each and every song. So it's like a four to five hour experience. So, you know, every song. So it's not like a restaurant where you come and you have to leave because someone else is going to come. This is something just for you. So you are sitting there across the table and we, I do the hosting where I tell people I'm going to take you through the history and geography of India today. So we go from north to south. So all my geography is pretty weak. So we don't follow a, a you know set a set map, but we go through a lot of different places in India. And then there are stories about it, you know, just to make sure that people feel the connection. Like, you know, when you put that morsel of food that I have cooked for you in your mouth, you have to remember that one, it is cooked purely for you. It is just made for you. And that you are also eating a lot of the history associated with it. You know, Mm. a tomato is a tomato, but there is history behind tomatoes in India. We didn't have tomatoes till the Portuguese and you know came to India. So what did we eat before that? So when I do a dish, I actually talk to people about it. I show them things. I even do some demos. So I have a few things that I'll show them and say, okay, this is what we've used. And this is the chili we've used. Like we do a cocktail where the saffron is actually from Kashmir, which is a purest saffron. So I actually show them and make them smell the saffron. So they feel connected to that ingredient. And mind you, the saffron is is the only thing that actually comes from India. Everything else I've sourced locally from here, but it's the stories because mm. the food is not authentic anymore. Once you leave your country, you are not, there's no such thing as authentic food because food changes for everyone. Every home cooks a dish in a different way. It's, it's the stories that connect you to it. We're now available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Please subscribe and stay tuned for more yarns. So, so that's what I try to do. And just coming to stories on your Instagram and through your blogs as well, there's a big mention uh, in all of the stories and there's a little flavor. There's there's still a little flavor of India, but more than India, there's a flavor of home. And when I say home, it I'm alluding to, you know, the, the mention that you make of your mother and her cooking. And I'm really intrigued by that. Is she like a culinary expert, a chef? Tell us a bit about your mom and the connection there. So my mother is definitely not a culinary expert. She hated cooking when we were young because she had a full-time job as well. So she used to, she was a tuition teacher. And those days, because we were not particularly well off and she had to provide for us, she would go to people's homes to take tuitions. So it was like, you know, she would have two or three homes in the morning that she would go for. Then she would come back for lunch, cook lunch for my brother, me, my grandfather and father, take a quick nap and then go back for tuitions and then come back and make dinner for us. So it was really hard for her and uh, life was not easy. And she went through a lot of stuff. And because of that, food was not the most important thing for her. But I had a grandfather who loved eating and he came from Multan in Pakistan before partition to India. So he was connected to his homeland and he had a lot of stories and he would constantly talk about it. And my father would sometimes cook as well. And there were a few dishes that my mother made really well, you know, like like most Indian homes, every Sunday we would have Rajma, you know, which is red kidney beans, or we would have Sindhi curry because we grew up in Ulasnagar, which had a huge Sindhi population. Or my mm-hmm. father would make chicken or mutton because my father made 
ate non-veg, my mother didn't because she never ate meat. So so growing up, the memory of the food was with the way the people made it, what food meant to them. So now after I'm married my, and my mother is now home and she's not working anymore, she suddenly got this interest in cooking. So now hmm. when I go back home, I get to eat some really, really yummy stuff, which I didn't when I was a child because she never had the time or the energy. But now she makes all these fancy things. Now we talk about food quite often, like when I call her home, she will tell me what she's made. And it's quite surprising for, you know, she lives alone with my father who's um, not well and he can't really eat. So he's on a liquid diet. But still my mother makes sure that she's cooking and eating good food, you know, she and, you know, and she and my father's caretaker, she cooks for both of them. And it always surprises me that here is this woman who's gone through so much in life, but she's made sure that food is the sustenance that she offers herself and the people who live with her is so good that it makes me, it drives the point to me that, you know, no matter what I do, I work hard to make sure I eat and my family eats. So food's become this important part of my life because Mm. I see this woman cooking just for herself, you know, like a lot of people complain. Sometimes they'll send me messages saying, oh, I'm a single person or I live alone and I don't enjoy cooking for myself. And I like telling them, you know, you should cook for yourself because that is the most important thing you are doing you are nourishing your soul yeah there's nothing more important in life than cooking and eating because you know a lot of people don't get that option so we're very lucky and and you know when i when i see my mother cooking you know there are some dishes like she used to make this jackfruit curry for me and she's got allergic reaction to jackfruit so jackfruit became this every time my brother and i fought or i had an argument with my mother and i was really upset she would go and get jackfruit for me and she would cook and her hands would just swell up you know, with cutting the jackfruit because the skin of the jackfruit, you know, she she had a reaction to it. But I remember that so strongly that, you know, I used to hate my mother growing up as teenagers do, you know, you rebel. And I was just this rebellious teenager. I, I, I thought that my mother doesn't love me. She loves my brother. And then she would make this jackfruit curry, you know. And, and the love would come back. Yes, and the love would come back. And both my mom and I love Bengali food. Like my mother's best friend is a Bengali and we just bonded over that. So, you know, during Durga Puja, which is coming now, incidentally, you know, we would go to the local Durga Puja pandal and we would just go and gorge on Bengali food, both of us. And that was the time that we would truly, truly connect as mother and daughter. We only had one common passion or love which was food, Bengali food, you know, which is what my brother didn't do. Like my mother didn't read books. So I was not connected to her because I read a lot. So, so it's just, you know, things like that. So food and my mother became this, you know, somehow it all, you know, combined together. And that's what I write about a lot. Yeah, you do. And it's it's beautiful to read because there are those those stories are rich, Bhavna, and they and they connect with us on a deep level. I think a number of us, no matter where we are, who we are, remember a big part of our childhood through our mums, right? Yes. And and through that connection with food. Um mum's pie or mum's lasagna yeah. or mum's Rajma Chawal or you know, my mum's uh, pot pot yeah. is what would remind me of my childhood or, or for anyone else. And and with that and taking that on, you're now sort of also making a difference to the Australian food story in many, many ways. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Who are your customers? And also what what is it that they come in with? And 
once they've they've done going through their multiple courses of amazing dinner and multiple flavors, what is it that they walk out with? So a lot of the people who've come for my dinners and for my cooking classes have been Australians. So they've not been Indians, but I've had a few Indians as well who are either born and brought up in Australia. I've had I've had people fly down from Melbourne for my dinner where there's this family who's parents were East Indians who grew up in India, but then they moved to Australia when they were young and then the kids were born here. So these children are connected to a little bit of India, but they still don't know their own stories and their the origin of so many dishes that they eat. So a lot of people who come for my classes are or, or dinners are people like these. And, and as I said, while I'm cooking for them, the primary goal is for them to understand the stories. Why are we eating what we are eating? How did this come into place? Like, you know, we cannot imagine Indian food without tomatoes and potatoes, but how or chilies for that matter. So how did all that come into place? What happened, you know, what happened in history for this dish to appear in your on your table today. We all think that Britishers had this huge influence on our on our culture as far as food is concerned as well, which is true. But a lot of the things came with the Portuguese. A lot of the dishes we know today as North Indian came with the Mughals, you know. Mm. So things like that, just telling those stories makes people look at food a little differently. I, I make Soul curry is one of my palate cleansers. Now, those who don't know soul curry, soul curry is basically, it's not S-O-U-L, it's S-O-L. That's how it's pronounced, but it is soul, S-O-U-L. It's basically a, you know, coconut milk based watery concoction, which is pink in color. So it's, it looks like a bubblegum pink milkshake, but it's salty, right? And it's an appetizer. It's a digestive. And it's really popular in Goa, Maharashtra, parts of Karnataka, where you have it with your meal, especially with the fish-based meal or a, or, or a mm-hmm. meat-based meal just to calm down your tummy a little bit because you're eating food which is laden with spices. Now, the people who come here for my dinners are usually not used to eating those many spices. So I add that as a drink. And it's amazing how shocked people get when they drink it for the first time because they assume it's going to be sweet. They have one drink, one sip, and they're like shocked. What is it, you know? And I've only had two people till date who've not liked that drink. And I always tell people when I serve it to them saying, look, if you don't like it, you don't have to drink it. But I do want you to have an experience and understand why you're drinking that. And most of them are adventurous. They game for it. They'll have it. I also like to customize my dinners and classes for the audience that are coming in. So I have someone coming in next month, lady who has booked a cooking class for her father and mother who are over 70 years old. And the wow. father has gone through an illness. He's an Anglo-Indian whose mother was from India and they moved to Australia, but he was he's born and brought up here in Australia. And he's grown up eating some of his mother's food, like you know, Anglo-Indian make a pepper water, which is like a rasam, South Indian rasam and dal. Now at his age, when he's ill and his mother has passed away, he wants to eat that food. Yeah. So his daughter has found me and she's like, can you customize your cooking class to make all this stuff that my father grew up eating and we don't know how to make for him? And can you also keep in mind all his dietary restrictions? So now I'm doing this whole class for this group of people Uh, for the whole family because they want to also learn how to do it completely for someone who just remembers a memory of food he himself has never been to India but his mother was from there he's eaten Indian food he doesn't even know the names of a lot of these dishes Mm. and now I'm just curating stuff from his memory for him 
you know, so that's the kind of stuff I'm trying to do, you know, just not serve food, but also connect people with what they're eating. Yeah. And what is your hope and dream and aspiration for modern day Seiko partner? Where do you see this going? Because you're, you're rightly like touching people's lives with, with what you do and giving them experiences that are that are hard to seek, but so, so relevant for the soul and the heart and the mind and tummies. Yes. Where is this going? Where do you want this to go? So my long-term aim is to have a full-fledged cooking studio. I really enjoy teaching people how to cook. I really enjoy talking to people. I really enjoy sharing history. I'm a big history buff. I read a lot on Indian history and politics. So I love talking about that. And that's my dream, you know, to have my own cooking studio where I'm able to grow, grow some of my own food and also to incorporate some Australian ingredients in my cooking. Because as I mentioned earlier, I'm not making authentic Indian food. There is no such thing as authentic Indian food. What I'm making is my my take on that food that I've grown up eating. So, so so trying to do that, have that cooking studio, try to incorporate some of the local ingredients, grow my own food and get Indian food a place in the Australian culinary scene that it deserves. You know, food that is not too fancy that you can make at home because there are a few great Indian restaurants in Australia that you can go to eat but that's not the food you're going to make at home every day, you know. Yeah. When you look for comfort food, a lot of Aussies will make a pasta, you know, because it's so easy to make a pasta, right? So so I want that Indian food to be that for people. I want people to think, okay, I can make a dal and chawal or rice without mm. worrying about, oh, I need 20 different things to make that. I want people to be able to make a vegetable dish using the minimum spices because I think people overtly complicate dishes sometimes like you know you look at a recipe and it's got 20 things and I'm like oh my god I even I don't want to make it right so yeah so my aim is that to flex make it more accessible make it comforting for people so if I'm craving for something I would make a dal and chawal instead of just making a pasta or getting a pie or ordering a pizza not that I have a problem with any of these dishes I just had pizza for lunch so 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 that's that's what my goal is and hopefully people should know me as you know not an authority on Indian food I don't think I'm an authority on it I can never be an authority on Indian food because there is so much to learn but as someone who knows at least what she's talking about you know yeah knows her food and knows knows the way with people and and what do you what do you need Pavna to make that aspiration happen Uh, how do we spread the love Well, look, so as a middle class job, security is really important for me. So I have my job. I'm still working. And mind you, I love my job. I'm never going to sit there and tell you a sob story about how I hate it. I absolutely love working for my company. I love my boss. I love my doing what I want to do full time is a distant dream. It would be great if I can I get more people who want to learn. If people listening to these podcasts, no friends who love to eat can recommend a cooking class or, you know, you want to buy a gift for someone instead of spending on an expensive dress you come for an experience you know like you come for an experience and do a class I had someone two weeks ago where this amazing photographer wanted to surprise his girlfriend for her birthday with an Indian vegan cooking class so he got in touch with me and we organized a surprise class for her she didn't even know she was coming for the class till I opened the door and told her what she's there for and then we did five hours of cooking they got a bottle of wine um, we 
they cooked. I showed them how to cook. I had a recipes. I introduced them to spices, where to get them, etc. And after the cooking, they sat down and ate. Their feedback was that we never thought in our wildest dream that we can cook so much in the limited amount of time we had. Everything was so flavorsome. So it was such a surprise for them, which is something we take for granted. Yeah. You know. So 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 I would love if people can spread that word. Yeah. Looking at your amazing following on Instagram, looking at how much love you get there. And, and what beauty you're just spreading through those lovely photographs. I mean, they're bound to get you really hungry. Please tell our listeners, how can we find you on Instagram? What is what is that handle? My handle <laughs> is called The Modern Desi Co. 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 So The Modern Desi Co. You can also write to me at hello at themoderndesi.co. I am based in Sydney. I'm always happy to customize cooking classes and dinners for people. I am also, in fact, doing cooking classes at people's homes. So this is lovely girl too, who's missing Indian food. She, she cooks herself, but she wants someone else to cook for her. So she's... <laughs> invited me to come and do invited me to come and do a cooking class for her so she can cook something different and she can sit and eat with with strangers so I have got a few more people who want to join and now I'm going so the now the modern day she's traveling to your home so I'm going with all the ingredients you know and it's another experience for me as well you know teaching someone in their home not in the comfort of my own so write to me get in touch with me on Instagram and let me show you how amazing Indian food can be trust you to do that and Bhavna your journey with food in Australia started with a little bit of a discomfort right you were yes. yearning for home what does it feel like now what is is Australia home finally I to be honest I don't know anymore what home is the reason being I feel part Indian and part Australian. Like when I go to India now, I crave for the comforts over here. You know, like small things that are that we now take so granted after being here for 10 years are so hard sometimes back home. So I miss that. But then when I'm here, I miss the people, you know. Hmm. I think more than anything, I miss my parents. I miss the comfort of a mother cooking for you, you know. I miss uh, the ease at which I can just order anything and get that you know, in home, like I could, I could, I could go to a restaurant at 11 o'clock in the night, and I'm still going to get a seat if, you know, pre-COVID days, obviously, I could just order anything I wanted to. And, you know, I miss, I miss those things now, you know, and I find myself slowly getting a little bit more Australian every year. But Having said that, I still cling a lot to my Indianness. I read Indian books. I cook Indian food every day. I speak the Indian languages I grew up speaking. Um, I wear Indian clothes as much as I can, wherever I can. You know, and I go back to India at least once a year. And I'm in touch with my friends and family back home. So I don't really know what home is. I think home is just a feeling for me. Because you can be at home as long as you're comfortable wherever you are. The comforts that, that make it the home. Absolutely. And home is where food is, right? Totally. Ah. totally. <laughs> Thank you, Bhavna. I've really enjoyed spinning this yarn with you. Thank you so much for opening up in the way that you have through this conversation. Also opening your home to the rest of us here in Australia to experience all the goodness that you create with your beautiful hands. Really, really grateful for you joining us. And I hope, I hope this grows. I hope you get to spread the love. I hope you get to spread the stories in the way that you aspire to. Food indeed is the best cultural promoter and the spirit of the ethnic walk steaming up some spices in our local neighborhood is tempting. 
This was a sumptuous conversation between Deepthi and Pavna, who, in her attempts, is embracing the true Australian identity by bringing in her plate of the native food culture for inclusion. Multicultural Australia often talks about the matters of cultural identity, cross-cultural intelligence, cultural adaptability, and cultural competence. These indeed are the buzzwords of New Australia. In the whole realms of managing diversity, Bhavna's modern Desi Co is a refreshing perspective of Australian identity. Bhavna's Indian heritage and her passion of curating those Indian stories through food indeed transcends the taste of a local, her lifestyle, her history and a whole new cultural perspective of our Australia. It is through these stories we can not only reclaim the vanishing food cultures but also expand the inclusion factor in Australia. You're listening to In the Spirit of Spinning Yarns with Deepthi and Akashika. Thank you.